Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch Atah Adonai Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about the power of contempt and faith. The power of two opposing spiritual forces. One force we can call faith and the other force we can call contempt. Both have spiritual power and they oppose each other. The narrative in this week's Torah portion is powerful and thought-provoking and speaks about uh, a very challenging situation in Israel's history when the spies were sent out into the promised land and how contempt and faith were working uh, after they came back and gave their reports. Now, it's useful for you, always useful, to read the entire Torah portion. During our studies together, we can only look at some of the portion, but it's really worth your time to get familiar with the entire portion, along with the Haftorah reading and the Brita Chadashah readings. We're going to start tonight's study in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. It says, the Lord Adonai said to Moses, send men on your behalf to reconnoiter or to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. Send men on, men on your behalf. That's what the Lord said to Moses, on your behalf. So these who are being sent are representing Moses' interest, and they are to... Um, do something that is useful and helpful for him. In a way, the Lord is saying, Moses, you need them because you need this. And all of us can recognize the Lord doesn't need the information about the land of Canaan, the promised land, the Lord already knows. Moses needs the information. But not only that, he needs to discover the condition of the people, because that's going to be important for what's next. The assignment is to reconnoiter, to, to investigate, to spy. And 12 are sent. 12 are sent. Now, if the goal was to get one report from one point of view, they only needed to send one person. But to send out 12 means there'll be different perspectives, different understandings. People will take notice of some different details. They'll see things from different vantage point, maybe emphasize some different things. They'll see facts, the same set of facts. They may take notice of certain things differently. And, and you know the old saying, two Jews, three opinions. Well, in this case, there are going to be 12 going out. Um, how many opinions are we going to get? You'll be surprised. In a sense, only two opinions come back. So that makes it unusual. So their job is to get information and report back. And they're asked specific information, some details. And if you're wondering where they're going, they're going to the land the Lord is giving to the people Israel. The Lord has decided to give it to the people Israel. Now let's go to verse 17, Numbers 13, verse 17. 
Moses sent them to reconnoiter the land of Canaan, instructing them, go on up to the Negev and into the hills and see what the land is like. Notice the people living there, whether they're strong or weak, few or many, what kind of country they live in, whether it's good or bad, and what kind of cities they live in. Are they open or are they fortified? See whether the land is fertile or unproductive, whether there's wood in it or not. And finally, be bold enough to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Then verse 25 um, We'll, we'll go to that. It says 40 days later, they returned. So think about this. They were given a very specific assignment. Get this information and report back to us. They weren't going for the sake of the spies. They weren't going uh, for the sake of an adventure. They were going for Moses' sake. That's what the Lord says. Send them for your sake. And it wasn't a quick thing that they did. They went and they were gone for 40 days. 40 days later, they returned. So not a quick trip. Verse 25, 40 days later, they returned from reconnoitering the land and went to Moshe, Aaron, Moses and Aaron, and the entire community of the people of Israel at Kadesh in the Paran Desert where they brought back word to them and to the entire community and showed them the fruit of the land. And what they told them was this. Here's the report. We entered the land where you sent us, and indeed it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. However, the people living in the land are fierce, and the cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the Anakim there. Amalek lives in the area of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hills, the Canaanites live by the sea alongside the Jordan. Then verse 30, Caleb silenced the people around Moses and he said, we ought to go up immediately and take possession of it. There's no question that we can conquer it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people because they're stronger than we are. So now we have the two different positions that are being taken. Verse 32, and they spread a negative report about the land they had reconnoitered for the people of Israel by saying, the land we passed through in order to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people we saw there were giant. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, who is from the Nephilim. And to ourselves, we look like grasshoppers by comparison. And we look that way to them too. Chapter 14. At this, all the people of Israel cried out in dismay. Pay attention to that. They cried out in dismay, and they wept all night long. They were crying with fear. They were crying because they were disturbed. And that's not all. Verse 12, verse 2 rather. Moreover, all the people of Israel began grumbling. Take note of that. If you're taking notes, they began grumbling. They began grumbling against Moses and Aaron. The whole community told them, 
we wish we had died in the land of Egypt or that we had died here in the wilderness. So this is, this is a grumbling that's against Moses and Aaron. And everyone's joining in. It's a dangerous thing. And then they say this, why is Adonai bringing us to this land where we will die by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be taken as booty. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse 4, and they said to each other, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now at that, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the entire assembled community of the people of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the detachment that had reconnoitered the land, tore their clothes. And they said to the whole community of Israel, the land we passed through in order to spy it out is an outstandingly good land. If Adonai is pleased with us, if, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9. Now here's, here's a warning. Just don't rebel against Adonai. And don't be afraid of the people living in the land. We'll eat them up. Their defense has been taken away from them. And the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And the Lord answered them. I have forgiven. This is, we're jumping down now to verse 20. You see, the people are all stirred up. They're, they're afraid and they're spreading their fear. Now, it's, it's not unusual to be afraid when you're facing fearful circumstances. When the Lord sees that and says, don't be afraid, he understands the nature of, uh, of our fearful response. But more than that is going on. There's something that's being stirred up in the people that's actually quite dangerous. And the Lord is willing to hear the intercession. You see, Moses and Aaron begin to intercede and they pray for mercy because trouble comes upon all of those who are now rebelling. Verse 20, the Lord answers their intercession and says, I have forgiven. As you've asked, now we didn't read those verses because we're only reading some of the verses in order to uh, uh, keep moving in this uh, with the time that we have. But verse 21 says, and this is the Lord saying, but as sure as I live and the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the people who saw my glory and the signs I did in Egypt and in the desert, yet tested me these 10 times and didn't listen to my voice, none of them will see the land I swore to their ancestors. So the Lord says, yes, I will forgive. But look, there are still consequences. That's an interesting thing because Sometimes people think that forgiveness means no further consequences. And uh, if, if I forgive you, then that's it and there's nothing to it. But the Lord says, the Lord says, so let's, let's learn something from the Lord. This will help us shape our theological understandings about forgiveness. The Lord says, I forgive, but there are consequences. So the Lord can forgive and there are still consequences. Now, Here's 
the consequence that I really want to emphasize because I think this really helps us understand how God perceives what's going on. And it's the continuation of verse 23. None of those who treated me with contempt will see the land that I swore to their ancestors. That's what the Lord says. None of those who treated me, the Lord, the Lord is speaking for himself. None of those who who treated the Lord with contempt will see it. Those who treated the Lord with contempt will not see the land. Okay, they're forgiven because of the mercy of God and the intercession of those who prayed for mercy. But here's the consequence. They won't see the land. But I want you to pay close attention to this verse because to me, it is the key to understanding the whole passage that we're reading. These people who grumbled, these people who were complaining, they weren't just having a natch, a normal fear response. Something else was going on. They were treating the Lord with contempt. Now let's let's think about that. Contempt means to disdain, to spurn, to despise. Uh, contempt that the people were expressing can actually disqualify us from participating in the plans that God has made. And it can change what we're allowed to do. You see, God wanted all of them to go into the promised land, but they all were not allowed to go into the promised land. He wanted them all to go, but they weren't all allowed to go. Why? Because their contempt disqualified them. It changed God's, um, I'm not going to say his plan, but it changed how God was acting with the people. It changed what the people were able to do. Now, I want to I compare it to something, to faith. Faith is an expression of trust. It's not just emotional cheerleading. It's, it's not just like uh, an a statement we make, I believe, I believe. No, faith is an expression that is demonstrated in action. There may be an internal side, but there's also an external side. And those have to be congruent. They are the same. If we say we have faith, but our action shows that we're not trusting God, then our actions are the reality. They're they're the real demonstration. Now, here's the thing. Contempt opposes faith in trust. Now, I want you to think of a sort of a continuum, if you can, about this long, if I can get my hands on in the camera uh, screen and say, faith is on one side and contempt is on the other. Now, in the middle is a kind of neutrality that can be unbelief or doubt or whatever. But I want you to understand something. Contempt is not neutral. Contempt is on the other side. It is a strong spiritual force. It opposes faith and trust. And contempt, contempt for God and for his plans and for those he's given responsibility for his plans, that contempt has 
real consequences. Now, I'm telling you this because it's useful for us to understand. We never want to cross that line into contempt, and it can be deceptive. We can deceive ourselves because we think we understand what's going on when we're contemptuous, but we really don't. People in deception don't understand that they're conceived that they are deceived. Contempt has real consequences. It can close the door on parts of our future and um, certain things won't happen when we have contempt. Now, contempt also misrepresents God's character. We're going to get to that in just a minute when we look at some of the statements that are being said um, by those who were contemptuous. Um, but let's let's pay attention now to what the Lord is saying. Those who treated me with contempt will not see that land. They're not going in. They are now excluded, forgiven but not included anymore. They are excluded from the plan to go into the promised land. Contempt against God often mixes with contempt against God's leaders. And it's not just interpersonal conflict. Don't get confused about that. It's not just having different opinions. God's not looking for yes men, neither should we. We should value the different perspectives that can be useful, but we should never value perspectives that come with contempt because they are polluted and they have spiritual pollution that will keep us um, from good discernment and from right action and right behavior. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit with him, uh, he had a different spirit with him, and he's fully followed me. Him I will bring into the land he entered, and it will belong to his descendants. A different spirit, the Lord says, and fully followed me, wholehearted and single-minded. It's very interesting. I'll bring him into the land which he's entered, and it will belong to his descendants. I, I always want to be on that side. I want to be on the side of, of those with that other spirit, that single-minded spirit with the Lord. It's not always easy. It can be hard. It can be difficult. We can have, um, we, we can be torn, but, but look, when you see the consequences and how God treats those who have um, faithfulness and refuse to be a party to contempt, you'll see the blessings that come to us. The right thing to do is to always reject contempt. Contempt has real consequences that may sometimes cannot be overturned. Verse 27, the Lord says, I've heard the complaints of the people of Israel, which they continue to raise against me. So this is interesting. The Lord hears. He hears complaints. The Lord hears not only prayers, but he hears complaints. He hears complaints. 
He hears murmuring. He hears private conversations. He hears contempt. This is a caution for all of us who want to follow the Lord. The the Lord hears. The Lord knows. Things that may be hidden are not hidden from the Lord. They may, you may think they're covered up, but they're not. There, there are people who were speaking in, uh, in Israel at this time. They were speaking against the Lord. He's just wanting to bring us to this land where we're gonna die. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to kill us. We should just go back to where we were in Egypt. That's what they were saying. The Lord heard that. And he didn't describe it as fear. That was not what the Lord um, took such uh, severe or gave such severe consequences for. It wasn't the fear. It was the contempt, the contempt, the spurning, the, the hidden things, the secret things that were undermining the plans that God had made and undermining the, the integrity of the community. Factions are like that. Factions are contemptuous. Factions are contempt against God and contempt against God's leaders. That's why they have to be uh, dealt with so strongly. The Lord hears complaints. He also hears prayers. Now, when prayers are mixed with contempt, guess what rises up? The contempt. When when people are working quietly in secret places and, and they are making their plans that God views as contemptuous of him and his leaders, it it really is serious. Now, look at the the seriousness, because there is a multiplier that, that is expressed here. Verse 34, it will be a year for every day you spent reconnoitering the land that you'll bear the consequences of your offenses. 40 days, 40 years. Then you'll know what it means to oppose me. So there's a multiplied return, 365 times. That's the rate of return. If one day turns into one year, one day's action, and there were 40 days action of reconnoitering, turns into 40 years of difficulty. Wow, there's a multiplication effect. It's really serious. Verse 36, the men who Moses had sent to reconnoiter the land, to spy out the land, and who, when they returned, made the entire community complain against him by giving an unfavorable report about the land. Those men who gave the unfavorable report about the land died by the plague in the presence of Adonai. Only the men who went to reconnoiter the land, only Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Yephunneh remained alive. Now, I want you to look and focus at verse 36 because there are two parts. One part, the second part, is they gave an unfavorable report about the land. And um, Jewish scholars and sages for... um, 
for generations have taken notice of that and said, be very careful not to speak against the land of Israel. Be cautious. Now, it doesn't mean that the government of Israel can't make mistakes and can't be criticized. That's not what it means. It just means be careful when you're speaking against the land that God has promised and the people in the land who have received the promise and what God is wanting to do. That's one part. But the other part is the first part of the statement. The people who brought this bad report made or caused the entire community to complain against Moses. They sowed seeds of discord. Now, some of what they said was based on facts and things that were true, but they were sort of twisting things. But what they said about the Lord and what they said about the Lord's character, that that he was, um, in essence, a cruel God who was who was doing harm to them by bringing them out of Egypt, which they were pretending or imagining was a great place to be from. It wasn't. But bringing them out of Egypt and and then was going to cause their their families to be taken as slaves and and booty and all their stuff. You know, he was just going to treat them cruelly. That's what they were saying. He's cruel. The Lord is cruel. And Moses is cruel. They're all cruel. You know what we need? We need different leaders who aren't cruel, who'll take us back to the land of Egypt. Now, I'm just play acting right now. That's what they were saying. I'm switching to their voice, if you can hear me. They're saying, the Lord is cruel. Moses is cruel. Aaron's cruel. Those who are with them, and they, they're naming them. Those who are with them, they're all cruel, and they're bad, and and. We should all go back to a better place and a better time and a better way. The Lord considers that very offensive. It's sowing seeds of discord. They're taking um, the trouble that they're experiencing personally, and then they're magnifying it so that Countless others are affected. They're sowing seeds of discord. Now, I have never met a person who's sowing seeds of discord who says, here's my plan. I'm going to sow seeds of discord, and then God is going to be mad at me. No, everyone who sows seeds of discord denies that that's what they're doing. How do you recognize it? This passage helps us understand how it all works. When there's contempt, when there's contempt, there's discord. When there's disrespect, there's there's discord. When, when people are trying to seize leadership for themselves and take it into their own hands, there's contempt and discord and factions and so forth. That's rebellion. Now, Don't get me wrong. Is there a place for difference of opinion? Of course there is. But difference of opinion can always be uh, expressed in a godly way or an ungodly way. It can be expressed in ways that produce uh, and stimulate faith and cause our faith to really grow. Or our differences of opinion can cause 
us to be contemptuous and to enter into the force of the spiritual force of contempt. And that undermines faith. It undermines other people's faith. Maybe you've been in a situation like that where someone else is saying things in such a way, making uh, statements partially true, half true, some not true, who knows? But what's the intent? The intent is to get you to side with them with sympathy and not to stand strong with the Lord and with the plans that the Lord has. Be very careful when that happens because it's offensive to God. It has consequences. A person may be what we would call a believer and still be contemptuous and still then be forgiven, but their future won't be the same. The consequences of contempt can be really serious. Can people ever work through it? Yeah, but it's unlikely that they'll work through it with the same folks that they had contempt towards because it is so rare that people will recognize or repent of their own contempt. And we're gonna see how, how that works out in this situation. Verse 39, when Moses told all these things to all the people of Israel, the people felt great remorse. They mourned greatly. They felt grief. Now, the, the Hebrew says they felt uh, mourning, like sadness. They, they felt very sad about it, but they weren't repentant. They didn't express any repentance. People can often feel sad or bad about consequences that they face, they even say, we did sin, and now we're ready to go up to the place the Lord promised. But what was really going on, they had become oppositional. They'd become defiant and independent of the Lord and of the Lord's plans and of the leadership that had been entrusted with that plans. And here's the sober truth in this situation. These, these people who were contemptuous and were oppositional, they didn't get a second chance this time. And there's a reason I believe, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, they never dealt with the real sin, the real issue of contempt. They continued to have hard hearts and they didn't even realize it. Verse 40, they arose early the next morning. They came to the top of the mountain and they said, here we are. We did sin, but now we're, we'll go up to the place that the Lord promised. And Moses answered, why are you opposing what the Lord said? You won't succeed. Don't go up there because the Lord is not with you. If you do, your enemies will defeat you. The Amalekim, the Amalek, uh, Amaleks people, the Amalekites, I couldn't think of how to say it in English, and the Canaanites are there ahead of you, and you will be struck down by the sword. The reason will be that you turned away from following the Lord, so the Lord isn't with you. Now, that's, that's sober. It's, it's a sobering thing to read about. Now, I was talking with uh, Cantor Aaron Jacobs, uh, who I congratulate along with Steve A. Bush, who are uh, now serving, they're both now serving as elders at, at Beth Israel. Congratulations to you. But I was talking to uh, Cantor Aaron 
uh, about this passage and and he spoke from this passage and taught the congregation from this passage i think it was last year and you would you would do well to dig up the the podcast on our guest channel for that and and i'll i'll post a link to it so you can hear it but we were talking about the difference between having normal fear and then having contempt and having and doing the things that misrepresent the character of God. Very, very serious. It's very important to pay attention to these things. Why do we uh, read this every year? Because it's useful for us. It helps us understand how to avoid something, how to recognize spiritual forces that may look like they are the right story and the right way to go, but they're not. They're not the right story. And we need to learn how to be faithful. We need to learn how to work through things and not and not become oppositional and not become contemptuous and not become disdainful and not spurning leaders. We have to be really, really careful. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for these things. And I'll tell you why. When we're studying according to the uh, schedule of the Torah readings and the Haftor and the British Hadashah, when we're studying according to that schedule, there is a timely connection. This will help you, Mishpocha. This will help you right now, today, in the days to come, in your personal life. It'll help you at work. It'll help you in your life in Beth Israel as well. And I just want to pray for you and pray for all of us. Lord, help us choose faith and learn to bring our fears to you. Help us avoid contempt, contempt, help us, Lord, avoid grumbling and sowing the seeds of discord and protect us from bringing spiritual trouble to other people by being contemptuous. Lord, we pray these words, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. In Yeshua's name, we pray. In a moment, we're going to be closing with Aaron's blessing. First, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you? Or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on one page, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close now with Aaron's blessing. May the Lord bless you and may he guard you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel team, thanks for joining us tonight. Hope you can join us tomorrow for our live stream Shabbat service from the Beth Israel Sanctuary and live stream online too. And now a final worship song from Brian and Deanne Rose. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.
Welcome back. Let's close off our time together with one of my favorite songs of worship, Hodu Ladonai, Give Thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, He is good, His mercy forever endures. Give thanks to the Lord, He is good, His mercy forever endures. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks to the Lord, He is good. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks to the Lord, He is good. so much and we will see you tomorrow morning at our Shabbat service.